You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. gentlemen welcome to the michigan sportsman's podcast the number one podcast that covers everything from planting diy gardens to hunting big mature elk in the great state of michigan we will cover strategies tactics conservation efforts and much much more i'm your host james stevens so let's get this thing started Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Michigan Sportsman's Podcast. Today's a really cool episode. I learned a bunch from this. Uh, We get to talk to Al Stewart. He is the Upland Bird Game Specialist of the Department of Natural Resources here in the state of Michigan. And we discuss everything turkey history. And there's so much deep things that we got into that I really could just talk to this gentleman for hours and hours and hours. We didn't cover nearly half of what I had on the notes and I learned a bunch. I also ran out of another piece of paper. I ran out of room writing down all the things that I was learning because he hit me with some knowledge about the state's history with turkeys that I had no clue about. So let's just jump right into it. Enough of me rambling. Get your notepads out. Take a bunch of notes because you're going to need them. All right. Now I got Al on the line. Al, how are we doing today? Real good. Great to talk with you, Dan. Good deal. Well, let's just first off, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm uh, Al Stewart. I'm the Upland Game Bird Specialist with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. So uh, I've worked with uh, DNR actually since uh, 1970. So 2020 represents the 50th year that I worked, uh, calendar year I worked for the DNR. You know, in 1970, I started as a student, obviously, but uh, I've been uh, working there ever since, and I'm now uh, the Upland Game Bird Specialist working out of the Lansing office. I've worked in different areas of the state as a field biologist, so uh, uh, it's been really uh, an enjoyable career working with many critters, and one of those uh, is the wild turkey, so I had the, the good opportunity, actually the honor to be involved with it from, uh, you know, as we went into uh, restoring turkeys into this state. Very cool. Well, how, what made you want to get into the field? Oh, I uh, always enjoyed being outdoors and I liked uh, wildlife and, you know, birds and, you know, deer and um, just, uh, you know, watching foxes or you know, possums or even skunks for that matter. So uh, I was able to, you know, go to Michigan State University and uh, learn about it and get a degree. And uh, I was fortunate enough uh, to be one of the few to, you know, get a biologist uh, job with the DNR. 
many people who graduate in the field of fisheries and wildlife, uh, but there's not a lot of them that actually, you know, get full-time jobs. So I consider right. myself very, very lucky. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So what's your favorite thing about turkeys? Oh, just uh, the, the main thing is, you know, that we've been able to restore them, but I've always been attracted to them because, uh, you know, they're, they're really a unique bird. Um, in the, in uh, the 70s, even, they were kind of uncommon, and I was attracted to that side of it. I uh, enjoy a great spring morning where you can hear a bird gobble. And again, in the 60s and 70s, it was uh, um, rare to hear a bird gobble. So uh, first time I heard one in the wild, I was... Uh, and very fascinated by it. I, I grew up on a farm, so you know I knew what a barnyard gobbler sounded like. And uh, to be out in the wild along, you know, a trout stream and uh, hear a bird gobble just that sunset was, uh, you know, really um, inspired me. So I've been interested in them ever since. Yeah, there's uh, there's not much that makes me happy other than a bird gobbling. There's, that's just a very distinctive sound that I don't think anybody disagrees with listening to. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's for sure. And I, so in you know 1970, I was a student at Michigan State University, and uh, I was uh, invited then to uh, work at the Michigan Wildlife Pathology Lab, which was at Rose Lake, and one of the studies that was going on at the time. Um, in 1971 was uh, taking blood samples from some birds to test them for um, any diseases, uh, see what normal was, just also um, do fecal counts to see they had parasites. So I was invited to go along and uh, one of the other biologists up by Baldwin was trapping some birds uh, for movement to another spot. And so I was able to tag along and do uh, help with some of this testing and capture and handle some birds and you know that, that sort of cinched the deal that I wanted to be involved with wild turkeys <laughs> there you go so this time of the year you know that you start seeing them out in fields and and flaunting their stuff what what makes the birds come alive this time of the year well uh, as far as the you know the Active gobbling, you know, it's photo period, so you know it starts to get spring, and that triggers the toms to, you know, really um, get, you know, sexually active or interested, and uh, it also the photo period uh, has a similar effect on the hen. So uh, the matching pair, and uh, that's that's when the toms, you know, usually in March uh, start to set up territories and establish a hierarchy and uh, they, you know, gobble, they move around, uh, you know, from field to field looking for the right place and they challenge, you know, other toms and finally, you know, there's there's one that's, say, the dominant male in this area or this flock of birds. And then hens are kind of going through the same thing a little little bit later into March into April. And so the hens start to also select territories and move around to see where they may nest or to look for toms, uh, some of these dominant toms. So uh, turkeys are really unique, kind of uh, prehistoric of sorts. And the hen only needs to be bred one time. Uh, to uh, sort of repelling almost uh, only needs to be bred one time to fertilize a whole clutch of eggs. And so that makes them really unique. Many other birds uh, are bred multiple times. But hen turkey is or can be bred multiple times. They're just unique in that they're able to store the sperm um, the old duck How long can they hold on to that for? Oh, a long time. <laughs> really? A long time. Yeah, yeah. So 
So, uh, and so in Michigan, we said our turkey seasons actually, um, where the majority of hens have been bred um, before the season even starts. So that's why the end of April is when we do that. But you know, March and April, um, you know, that's that's uh, when the hens are uh, being bred. And, you know, they'll be bred all the way through into May and June, obviously, but uh, that's, that's the key side of that. Okay. But these times, then, you know, they start to challenge each other. And, you know, on any given day, um, the, the hierarchy can shift. <laughs> right. So how, how long, how big of an area is there, like, territorial range? Well, um it really depends on how many turkeys are in an area of the habitat. You know, there's there's a lot of variations to that. Um, so um, the, there's turkeys generally stay within an eight square mile area. Okay. Um, but if you look at that on a map, it's still a pretty big area. So that's why sometimes you may hear birds, you know, one spring and maybe not in another, or you might see them there in the fall, but not in the spring. You know, there's just so many variables that determine what and where they go, but uh, they, they generally stay in about an eight square mile. Okay. So we, we know when we did some of the release work and put radios, telemeters, you know, on birds to study their movements, that when we released birds into a new area, they stayed within an eight square mile radius of that, that release site. Okay. So, okay. So the hen gets bred. In March, how long before she lays that that clutch of eggs? Well, she, you know, she'll get bred, uh, you know, March, April, um, and then it takes her about uh, oh, to lay a clutch of normally twelve eggs. It takes uh, fifteen days to do that. Oh wow! So, um, so she'll do that, and then another, you know, twenty-eight days to set on them once she, you know, lays the last egg. So, um, you know, there's a timeline in all of this. That's why, you know, you, you don't see too many broods of turkeys until June. Uh, and actually, if you really want to see broods of turkeys, you, you don't see too many turkeys until about July, about the time people, farmers harvest wheat. That's when the colts, the, the turkey chicks called colts, are kind of tall enough, a little above the grass, that uh, we humans can see them very easily. So, um, the, the you know, hunters hunting the last week in, in May, you know, many times will report seeing, you know, a hen with some chicks. Really? Uh, wow, I did not know that. Usually in June and when, when, they're, when they're hatched out. Okay. And what's the percentage of, of all, you know, let's just say the hen lays 12 eggs. What's the percentage of all 12 hatching? Well, uh, you know, turkeys like grouse, like other things that are gallinaceous birds uh, that lay a dozen eggs, you know, they're, they're designed for boom and bust situations. So, um, you know, if, if everything goes perfectly, you know, she would hatch, lay a dozen eggs, hatch. A dozen, you know, twelve have twelve poults, and actually be able to, you know, raise all of them through, you know, into the fall when they're able to kind of fend for themselves. That's an ideal situation, you know, under poor nesting conditions. And poor nesting conditions are usually determined um, uh, as uh, or defined as like a cold, wet spring. And when there's a cold, wet spring um, at the time of hatching or in that last part of incubation, uh, we often see mortality, both of the nest or of young poults. And not just in Michigan, but, you know, nationally, these things happen. So, um, so if that happens, then, you know, you're, you're hoping that, uh, or, or in the in the biology of wild turkeys, you know, to sustain the population. So, you know, in a really bad spring, where we have poor nesting conditions, you may have a hen that only uh, is able to raise off three poults into the fall. 
So that sustains the population. But as hunters, it's one of those years where you say the following spring, boy, we're not seeing many turkeys. Sure. Or we didn't see many jakes, young males. Um, so that defines it. But then, you know, in those years that are the good years, I mean, you can imagine a bunch of hens, you know, raising off 10 to 12 poults all the way to fall to survive. That's Those are the years of the following spring where we say, wow, there's a lot of jakes, a lot of turkeys out here. You know, so as, as hunters, that's what we like to see. But uh, Mother Nature deals turkeys and other wildlife and, you know, grouse and pheasants and all these things, you know, a different uh, hand of cards at any, at any point. So, you know, we'll, you know, the average, you know, is about six to eight pulls per hen through, you know, overall. Um, so, you know, that's what keeps things going and keeps it interesting. You know, some other states, you know, some of the southern states that, you know, in the years that they have poor production or, um, you know, many times they'll have multiple years of poor production. They, they call it hunting the hatch. So that means that in the year that it was really good, that cohort, that group of turkeys will kind of go through the system. So um, they had a really good hatch year, you know, say in, in 2000. Well, then in, in the spring at 2001, there would be a bunch of jakes. So when you're hunting, you'd see a bunch of jakes. 2002, you'd see a bunch of two-year-old birds, you know, lots of two-year-old birds, you know, and then the following year, you know, you'd see a bunch of three-year-old birds. So, um, but in between all of that, there were poor hatches. So, you know, these other birds weren't showing up, you know, at the same level. We said we, we like to hope that every year has great production. So every spring there's Lots of jakes and lots of big time. Okay, so other than hunters, then what what's killing these things? Well, humans are the you know one of the top predators on on uh, wild turkeys, but uh, you know whether you hunt turkeys or not, uh, their life expectancy is eighteen months. So uh, that's why you don't see too many toms that are five years old. Even when we do this, you know the radio or telemetry studies, uh, it's rare, you know, a Tom gets to, gets to five years old. So would you uh, say that's a five-year-old is like an old bird in the state of Michigan? Oh, it's old bird anywhere in the country. <laughs> okay. And what about hens? What's, what's the life expectancy for hens too? Like, or what's an well, old well, hen? Yeah. I mean, turkeys overall, they're the, the average life expectancy of any turkey, male or female is 18 months. Oh, okay. And and the majority of that mortality occurs in the first two weeks of life. So at that point, turkeys can't fly. They, they, the poults can't fly until they're two weeks old. So once they hit the two-week-old part and they're able to kind of fly up into, you know, a tree and kind of jump from branch to branch and, you know, get up a little off the ground, um, they're their life expectancy begins to increase. Um, and so, he said, an, an extremely old and a very small percentage of toms you know, reach that five-year-old mark. Most of them are in that two to, you know, four-year-old mark, three-year-old mark. Five, five is, you know, just, just rare. And I don't know what happens to them. I don't know whether they just die of heart attacks or whatever. You just don't see them in the population. And, and it shows up in our, like I said, um, marked birds, satellite birds that we, you know, where we know who they are and where they are and what they're doing. Hens, on the other hand, tend to have the ability to live a, bit, a little bit longer. We've seen hens that are nine years old, 12 years old. I think there's one in the records that's, you know, in the teens someplace. But, wow. Um, you know, again, that's those are unique, uh, unique birds. But 
hands hands live a little longer than, than times usually. Okay. Again, so, whether they're hundred or not, eight, eighteen months is that life expectancy. Right. So you brought up earlier that you know turkeys are kind of a prehistoric bird. How long have turkeys been here? Well, um, you know, a, a pretty long time. <laughs> <laughs> So they've got some, uh, you know, archaeological type things that turkey bones have been dated back to 50,000 years ago, you know, that have been found in caves in the eastern part of the United States. So uh, a long time. So, you know, during, you know, what we would say the pre-Columbian times in Michigan history, um, based on some a variety of records, uh, it's estimated that more than 94,000 Wild turkeys roamed roamed just in Michigan. So uh, really, um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. And then uh, you know, piecing together other information from um, Native American records, um, and we're, we're fairly sure that about that general number. So you know, and so wild turkeys have been around for a long time. And you know what's what's cool about wild turkeys. Um, is that they're they're native solely to the New World, um, like just indigenous to the wilds of this continent, and, and they're the you know they're the progenitor of all domestic turkeys worldwide. So you know the eastern wild turkey that we know here, um, or the wild turkey that was here in North America, uh, was then. Um, you know, as Spaniards and others came here and found the unique things that, that were on this continent, um, some of the Native Americans had domesticated some, some birds, and so Spaniards took these birds back to Europe. And then in Europe, uh, domesticated them a whole lot more, and then brought them back, you know, to this country as domestic fowl. You know, so... Uh, just a all-around-about way of getting here. I mean, wild birds have always been here in, in the country, in this country. But sure, you know, when you when you think about it, um, you know, Tiny Tim uh, in a Christmas Carol in England and London was having you know a big turkey for Christmas. Well, yeah. that that turkey as a domestic turkey originated, you know, in the 1600s when it went to Spain or other places from here in, in this on this continent. So, you know, it's it's kind of cool, you know, that way. But so, it, you know, they were really, really common here. And, you know, Native Americans, you know, really, they, they use the turkey as a food source. So, you know, it's a big chunk of meat. And uh, they, they also, you know, use the, the wing feathers you know, to, to fletch their arrow shafts. And then some tribes, groups even use that, you know, the, the leg spur, you know, the sharp horn-like piece on the leg. Yep. The large toms for, for arrow points for a small game, you know, small birds that they they would have. So it's, you know, and, and then, you know, I think most people are aware that they, um, Native Americans use the turkey feathers, you know, for, for ornaments. And you know religious purposes, and continue to do you know some of that for uh, some of their special um, ceremonies that that they have. Something that's really cool is that there was uh, oh back in about 1839 there was a guy by the name of uh, B.B. Cook. Um, and he spent six months living with Indians in, in Allegan County during the winter of 1839. And in his records, he, he indicates that uh, there was a, a pipe um, that uh, was in the possession of Chief Saginaw. And uh, that pipe was reputed uh, to have once belonged to you know, one of the legendary Indian leaders of the time, Chief Tecumseh. And the stem of that pipe was made from the hollow quills of a wild turkey reinforced with some hickory splints and then wrapped in deer sewing. So Really? So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, 
pretty, pretty cool stuff there. You know, like I said, it's got turkeys just have a, a, a depth of history and tradition, you know, associated with them and, you know, are, are really key to um, Native Americans that lived here, early settlers that came here. Um, it, it's hard for people to, to recognize that, you know, when, I mean, we all know about Thanksgiving and, you know, the pilgrims and turkeys and things like that. But uh, here in Michigan, um, one of the earlier settlers uh, uh, down in southern Michigan uh, has has a record that in 1833, um, his name was Bill Nolan. He, he wrote uh, a, a book about spending time uh, living in what is now Dearborn. But in 1833, he called a turkey in what is now downtown Dearborn um, with a wingbone call that he made um, and called the bird in. And, uh, you know, in the, there's just all sorts of records. You know, so I think in, in the 1850s, there was a farmer down by Mason that report he, he shot in the fall a whole flock of turkeys um a blind he made from you know like grain shucks so uh it, it again there's there's just been you know a lot that's happened there was a really famous um uh, oh, outdoorsman uh, by the name of bill nolan william nolan up in the saginaw area and he wrote a book called My 50 Years of Hunting and Fishing in, in Michigan. And he has a picture of a wild turkey that he shot uh, by the town of Reese um, in 1884 that weighed 24 and a half pounds. Good uh, Lord. They're, they're in Saginaw County. So, you know, uh, birds were really common, you know, during that time frame. Uh, during the early part of, of Michigan, you know, they, they were very common, um, well, south of the ancestral range for wild turkeys is a line, south of a line, you drew up from Bay City to Muskegon. So south of that was the ancestral range. And, uh, you know, prior to 1875, turkeys were very common through, throughout a lot of that. Uh, there was um, there was a, a time when you know the, the the southern part of Michigan was also um, used in the logging era. You know there were big trees and lumbermen came in here and um, you know harvested the, the big trees. And you know we we hear about the logging that went on up along the Sabo River and through there too, and that, that was. You know, rather extreme, but uh, also within this ancestral range of wild turkeys, there was uh, a lot additional logging that went on, and um, you know that was in like the 1880s, and so these logging camps. If you ran a logging camp, you you really didn't want to be in a place where there were turkeys because the uh, the, the loggers, the, the the guys cutting the trees, would drop their axe and in the winter and follow a turkey track to to kill the turkey to get the turkey because you could kill one turkey and sell it in the you know in, in those days in the market um, for more than probably what you were going to make through the winter. <laughs> really? So, yeah, yeah. So that, that was uh, having turkeys in an area uh, was was the bane to the individual who was running the, the logging camps so and, and you know those were the days you know we refer to it as market hunting but those were the days when there was no you know grocery store there was no Kroger's you just didn't go in and buy you know a butterball turkey um, people lived off the land it was mostly about subsistence and you know in that time frame 1875 you know 1900 you can look at the population of Michigan and, you know, that's when the state really began to get settled, you know, 1834s and on up into that. So, you know, uh, unfortunately is, you know, the human populations grew in this state, 
you know, the, a lot of land was cleared. Um, so turkey habitat was destroyed. And, you know, there was no regulations about hunting turkeys. You could kill a turkey any time of the year that you wanted. And, you know, they, they were a, a really good meal for a family. So, or, you know, for people that were settling here. So, you know, they, they uh, you know, some of our early founding fathers uh, eliminated, you know, the, the habitat, cleared all the land to be able to farm it. And then, uh, you know, ate any of the wildlife that was on there to, to live. And so for wild turkeys, the last definite report of wild turkey, you know, that, that we have from Michigan was a bird taking in uh, uh, January 1897 uh, in Arlington Township, uh, Van Buren County. That was the last bird that there's a confirmed record. So the assumption is that wild turkeys uh, were completely extirpated from Michigan in by 1900. So completely that, gone. No turkey farmed. That is, okay, so that's, that's what I want to get into. So we have no turkeys here. Where would you even begin to start trying to bring them back? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the the nineteen hundreds, you know nineteen tens. In there, people were realizing that most wildlife was eliminated from um, the state and other parts of the country. It wasn't just Michigan. I mean, uh, Michigan had this occur in nineteen hundred, but you know some of the eastern states had it you know, a curb, curb by, you know, the 1850s. So, uh, you know, as people moved, say, from from Ellis Island, uh, you know, as they immigrated immigrated into the state, you know, it started there, and then people moved east a bit. So, you know, 1900, we, we were done, but at that point, people realized, geez, something's bad going on. And so there were different... Uh, businesses, different people that were trying to do things to restore wildlife. Because again, it wasn't just wild turkeys. It was deer, white-tailed deer. It was wood ducks. It was um, swans, you know, and just many, many things that we, again, don't think about today as being almost eliminated, almost put on the brink of extinction. But, you know, one of the first attempts in, in Michigan, which seems, uh, Funny today, but I, you know, then they were kind of serious about it. Is uh, oh, about 1905, uh, the Cleveland Cliffs Mining Company, which was real active in the Upper Peninsula, uh, they 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 owned the island called Grand Island um, up there. Um, well, in, near Munising, it's the island right right there, and so they they owned it in Lake Superior, and they through through the years released a lot of things on there uh and in 1905 they released some turkeys on grand island so that's in the up pretty hard winners <laughs> oh yeah yep for and, sure and the birds there the birds there didn't survive but um later um uh, the, the department of natural resource tried to establish some turkeys reestablish some turkeys and in 1919 and 1920, but these were hand-reared um, turkeys, you know, kind of game farm-like. Um, so they they were raised up. There were about 65 of them. They were released at the oh at the Sanford uh, Game Refuge then. Um, so that was done in 1919. But uh, the, the refuge manager there indicated by 1925 there were no birds left and his his report indicated that they were you know popped off by violators that people you know just killed them again this was a time frame when you know there was very little you know very few conservation officers very few laws overall um and uh people you know were on the edge of still trying to live off the land so on and off through the years, a variety of people and things tried to, um, when organizations tried to, you know, release turkeys or try to reestablish them, but um, all the way up into the 1930s and nothing really 
work. Nothing was successful because they weren't using wild birds. You know, it was very, there were very few wild birds um, in, in the nation, and uh, they were extremely difficult to capture, and there was no money. So that's where you, you read about you know, the, 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 the dark years of conservation, um, you know, where you know, we lost grayling, we lost, uh, you know, again, just so many wildlife species. And, and that's where, you know, in 1937, we had the, the, the group of conservationists you know, get together uh, to, to try to raise money. So the problem was identified, but there was no funds to do any work. So, uh, the, and, you know, there were still people who, who hunted, obviously. And so, you know, mostly hunters uh, worked with, you know, the sporting goods, the ammunition companies, and uh, worked with Congress. And they developed what was called the, you know, Pittman-Robinson Act after two uh, congressmen. And uh, what they established was the Federal Aid and Wildlife Restoration Act. And from that point, that money is what was then used to um, hire some wildlife biologists to help develop plans on how you could move forward, help to hire some conservation officers to enforce laws that were in place. And so it, if it hadn't been for, for that, um, you know, without that kind of national support, wild turkeys would have been just, uh, you know, something that people may have talked about but never have seen sort of like the dodo bird you know? right. and uh so again you know with, with that type of national support some funds there you know there was increased interest then in doing wild turkey restoration um, and what year was so, this um you know that the the, the uh pitman robinson act was passed in 1937 so, so the state of Michigan had went almost forty years without having turkeys on the landscape. Well, in nineteen thirty-seven, it was just when the Restoration Act fell into place that you know was able to hire some people to you know give some money to it to, to talk about it and you know plan for it. But um, and it's the same thing you know at other places. And Pennsylvania had some remnant populations of wild turkeys, so. The Appalachians had some remnant populations. The Ozarks had some rep, um, some uh, just small groups of turkeys there uh, that hadn't been wild birds that had not been eliminated through time. You know, so um, in, in 1950s, that's when Pennsylvania started to to ramp up and do some things and have some success, and so. Um, you know, they, they started it in the 40s and the 50s. You started to see, you know, a um, what, what was happening from their efforts to restore birds. They were starting to see birds and starting to see birds in new areas. So with that, Michigan in the, in the 50s uh, acquired some birds from Pennsylvania. Um, and so in, in 1954, we... Uh, made a, a recommendation to the director and the Natural Resources Commission. Um, Harry Rule, the chief of the wildlife division, did that. And uh, then we uh, um, we were able to get some birds um, from Pennsylvania. So we got uh, about 50 birds from Pennsylvania. And uh, these are the kind of the best birds money could buy at the time. Now, and, with that uh, 50 so, birds, do you know, were they like, were 25 of them toms and 25 of them hens? Or do you know what the ratio yeah, was? Yeah, I don't remember what that was at that time. Um, I, I, I've seen it, but I can't remember what it was. But we had okay. 50 birds that we released at six sites uh, in the Allegan State Game Area. And uh, Allegan was thought to be, you know, the, the only place um, in Michigan that that had any turkey habitat because you had to have, um, you know, at, 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 at least a uh, hundred thousand acres of forest. <laughs> really? So a mature forest. So Allegan's 
just Allegan State game area at 40,000 acres located with 100, within 100,000 acres of, of uh, hardwood. So um, at the minimum, you had to have 10,000 acres of big oak woods, you know, that uh, you and I and another person could put our arms around, great big oak trees. And, and, and 10,000 acres is a, you know, it's a lot of turf. And we know now that that's probably the only place that people could find turkey because, you know, they could, if someone was going after them, they could kind of sneak out the other side of a big woods like that, you know, so that's sure. why they were doing well. But anyway, Allegan, you know, in 1954 was the only place in, in, in the state that uh, was considered to uh, have a suitable habitat uh, that remained within the original wild turkey, you know, range. So that's unbelievable. You know, we, we, yeah. Oh yeah. So we went forward with that. And, uh, then from that, we were able to capture some birds and move them around a little bit. And, uh, you know, there, there were a variety of different releases that occurred, you know, many of them failed, but, uh, you know, by, by 1964, we had approximately 2000 free ranging Birds uh, established over significant areas in, in the Lower Peninsula. So, what what really made things really change the equation for wild turkeys, and wild turkey management, was uh, the development of the rocket net. Um, you know, to, to shoot this net over a flock of turkeys. So uh, that was that was uh, developed in the you know the late 1950s. And it, it was the propellants um, or the concept was something that was used in um, Europe to catch some waterfowl. It was kind of developed there. And then in this country, we um, modified it more. And so this was a really new wildlife capture technique that I don't know, re- revolutionized our ability to live trap wild turkeys for restoration attempts. So do, do, you th- do you think if you didn't have that gun, would we still not have turkeys? I guess how, well, do you, how would you it, even catch a turkey without one? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a huge challenge, even today. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can only yeah, imagine. Yeah, it, yeah. That, that is what made the difference, no question. Because prior to that, people were pushing the easy button and saying, oh, you know what, um, we could, a turkey is a turkey is a turkey, so we could just hand raise some turkeys, find a turkey nest in the woods and raise these up and then breed them in captivity. And then we could release these turkeys into the wild and they would survive. And many states kind of worked off that when they were trying to do restoration activities. And again, Michigan was part of that. Um, And it turned out to be just a huge failure. It just didn't work. To me, Um, me, the pen reared Penreared turkeys don't survive in the wild. And so you need to capture wild turkeys. And that's where this rocket net was developed. And then we were able to, to do that. And so since the use of the rocket net here in Michigan and, and trapping, you know, wild turkey live trapping and translocation has been the key part of our restoration and our turkey management program. So, um, it's uh, so you know you can kind of in, might not be able to envision it if you've never seen one, but it's it's uh, uh, it's called like a, a rocket net or and it's a big you know think like um, a big volleyball net almost maybe you know about that wide but then taller or longer and then there are these weighted projectiles, uh, usually three to four of them, you know, one, one on each front edge of the net and then, you know, evenly spaced out, you know, along the fringe of the net. And then, uh, there's a propellant that's used and it shoots this weight up into the air, pulling the net over the birds. And, uh, then the back end of the bed, the, the net is, um, um, anchored in and 
so you know again it's like shooting this this uh big, big net over over birds you know or, uh, and so that that's what made it made it really work uh, but uh you know we we use these same nets today so the there's been different ways of expanding on this rocket. Um, some of the original stuff was using black powder, but after World War II, something that proved to be very effective was um, howitzer pellets, you know, to, to shoot um, howitzer, you know, a little cannon. Um, those those little pellets uh, were are, are part of this explosive packed package that goes into the projectile that shoots over the net or shoots the net over the bird. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Go ahead. That's super. Have Have you ever used one? Uh, yeah, I actually, I have. And I, I uh, oversaw a big chunk of the trapping here in Michigan. And uh, as luck would have it, uh, I'm the only person in the world to have uh, used a, a rocket net or actually captured um, all species and subspecies of wild turkeys in the world. So um, I learned how to use it, and I, uh, in order to be successful, we had to have lots of people know how to use it. And so I helped train people, and then I um, developed some safety techniques and ways to do that, and then helped other researchers in other parts of the country and um, the world to, to trap birds. So uh, it's been fun. Um, turkeys are really smart, and uh, it, it's uh, you can imagine going out in the spring trying to call a turkey into twenty yards. Um, you know, how difficult that can be some days. Oh yeah. And and so when you're trying to trap turkeys, you're uh, usually you have a, trying to capture a flock of twenty to thirty birds, each of them. You know, having uh, you know a pair of eyes looking for any kind of danger. So, uh, yep. if one bird sees something awry, uh, the whole flock leaves. So it, there's a a lot of um, you know times sitting out in a blind trying to get birds, you know, in less than ten yards from you to, or less than twenty yards from you to, you know, be able to shoot this net over them and capture them and then you capture these wild birds and then you move them to other places so obviously we didn't have turkeys in michigan so what we ended up doing was getting um birds from these remnant populations that were in missouri and missouri had trapped some birds in their state and moved them around and had great success and then they shared some of those birds with iowa and uh you know they they were having good success so um in 1983 um we, we made a, a very concerted effort uh, there was a number of people that were part of the plan to restore turkeys in michigan it was something we could do we were seeing success with wild birds in other parts of the country and so we got some birds from Missouri and we got some birds from Iowa. Before we did that, though, um, you know, in the in the '60s and '70s, um, most of our population, because the birds needed big oak woods, most of our population, when we had trapped some of the birds from the Allegan group, we we moved some birds up into the the Baldwin area. We moved some birds up into the Mayo area, areas that had, you know, big expanses of forest with oaks and that in it. And those birds were doing uh, good up there, but we didn't have any birds really to speak of in southern Michigan. And even the birds in Allegan uh, began to, um, that the population was not very robust. They they didn't do well. Um, they, they, they just were kind of fizzling out. So in in uh, the early 80s, like 1983, that's when we made a decision. We want to restore turkeys to Michigan, and we want to 
restore them into their ancestral range. And so we we had a meeting here in Michigan, brought some of the top turkey biologists from around the country here, and but the biologists from Iowa, the biologists from Pennsylvania, the biologists from uh, Missouri and Virginia, and they we we took them up in an airplane, flew them across southern Michigan, and uh, they looked at the habitat that was there, and they said, "Boy, this is good stuff." So in 1983, Michigan had the greatest potential of any state in the nation to restore eastern wild turkeys. So in 1983, we made uh, some agreements with Missouri and Iowa. So for Missouri, we traded uh, rough grouse. We were one of the first states to kind of do these trades of wildlife trades. So we captured rough grouse in Michigan because Missouri was doing a grouse restoration project. And we traded them rough grouse for wild turkeys. And so then um, we we made an agreement with Iowa and uh, we traded them um, some prairie chickens from Kansas. We made a deal with Kansas to be able to go to Kansas and trap some prairie chickens. We gave prairie chickens to, to Iowa who were trying to restore prairie chickens there. And then with, with that, we we were able to uh, get turkeys from Iowa. So kind of a three-way deal. Pretty pretty exciting. That That is actually, that's really cool. So in the turkey digest that the state of Michigan puts out, I know this, this year, there's a, a section that says in 1977, you had a 25% chance of even getting a tag. And then also in 1977, your hunter success rate was only at 10%. And there was maybe 400 turkey kills that, a year. That's correct. That's correct. Now the numbers, yeah. you have a 100% chance of getting a tag. You have a 30-plus percent chance of success. And there's over 30,000 birds that hit the ground in a year in the state of Michigan. Yeah, so so we've seen a lot of big changes. A lot of big changes. Uh, and. Uh, Turkey program has, uh, you know, um, the restoration of wild turkeys in this country is probably one of the top wildlife uh, conservation success stories overall. And fortunately, Michigan has been, you know, been able to be part of that. So when we talked about, you know, getting birds in the 1950s, 54 from Pennsylvania, our first hunting season was in 1965. It was actually a fall season because in those days, fall turkey hunting was when you hunted turkeys. And I did not know that. Yeah. So that was the tradition. I mean, in in many of the Eastern and, you know, some of those Southern states, fall turkey hunting, you know, where they were able to maintain some of it, fall turkey hunting is, is really, um, that, that, uh, long-term place and time when you hunted turkeys sort of fall turkey hunting uh in the earlier years was what november 15th is to michigan deer hunters you know it's just that's just what you do when you do it so in 1965 uh was a fall season it was only at allegan there are about a hundred thousand acres open to hunting and they harvested 82 turkeys so hunter success was extremely low, like 1%. And um, so our fall seasons remained in place um, in, in, um, until uh, 1968 or ni- 1969 was a fall season that we had. But in 1968 was the first spring turkey season. So um, the... Uh, the harvest was 25 birds. So in the entire state? Very, for the entire state. Very, very, very limited. So, you know, again, that, that's what we, what we had. So, you know, um, you know we, we've gone from, um, like in, in 1977, you know, when we were talking about that with the 10% hunter success, in, in 1977, we had 6,000 turkeys on the landscape. 
Wow. That's all the birds. So not all that, you know, that's not all that long ago. And in 1977, we only had 17 counties open to turkey hunting. You know, now the whole state is open to turkey hunting. Well, that's what com- yeah, that's that's what blows my mind is, you know, if you really think about it, that wasn't that far that that long ago, no. and it's and the population has just boomed. That that to me yeah, is, did, is super crazy. Yeah, well, that didn't happen by accident. I mean, again, we 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 trap birds. Uh, we we you know we we got birds from other some other states. We put them strategically across southern Michigan. The birds from from a point of release don't go too far, you know, eight square miles, not very far. So we had to, you know, kind of pinpoint birds out through that. Then we uh, allowed those birds, you know, to expand. Then we trapped our birds from those birds and then released them um, you know, to other places and, you know, now, now we have the the rest of the story. So, um, you know, in, in uh, you know, 1983, even um, birds ranged only ranged over 8,000 square miles, and the population in 1983 was uh, um, documented at about 15,000 birds. So, wow. with 90 percent of that population north of the ancestral range. So that's crazy. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so what so is, we, what, you know, what is the estimated population now? Well, we, we've got about 200,000 turkeys, give or take a little bit, you know, we're, we're, um, we're at, at the level of population that, uh, you know, I, I, I can't tell you there's 200,000 and 22 birds. Right. You know, I, I don't know how many rabbits are in my backyard let alone how many turkeys are, you know, on every square mile right. throughout the state. But, but um, we, we are very confident based on, again, a variety of models and harvest things that we have 200,000 turkeys plus or minus a little bit. So that's, that's wild. Now, how many, yeah, yeah. given Michigan's landscape and such the different varieties that we have, because to me it's, you know, you talked about turkeys needing big hardwoods back in the day, and now, you know, I, I think they take full advantage of all the agriculture that's around. What what do you think Michigan's turkey capacity population could be? Well, I think two hundred thousand is where we are. Just, you, you think that's you a, that's a perfect number, and hopefully, and hopefully, you won't see less. Well, it's just you know, it's the carrying capacity of it, right? Um, we, we, and, and we have learned since, you know, the forties that, that turkeys now, um, can live in a variety of habitats, you know, almost all grasslands. And when you look at the early records of things, um, you know, you'll find that birds were in, you know, grassland savannas areas, you know, you see birds doing well in Kansas and, you know the the Dakota is so uh, they they can they can live in these habitats. It's just you know when we started to first look at it in the 1800s, people were killing every turkey they could. So <laughs> sure, so yeah. the, the only place they could survive were in these great big woodlots. You know these great big oak forests, and now we know they they can live r- really really well in other places. So. Uh, you know, and then when we when we uh, put birds in, and again, this has occurred in other states. You know, you see the population. You've got really good habitat, and then uh, you put birds into a habitat that you know works for them. You you see the population expand and expand, and every year is better than the year before. But you 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 reach a a point where. Uh, you know the population's kind of stabilized, so you, you know whether whether it's uh, you know bacteria in a petri dish or wild turkey in, in the wild, you you see that population kind of almost exponentially increase to a certain level, um, kind of peak off, you know, plateau, and then you start to see um, ups and downs of that population, 
based on, um, you know, nesting success or, you know, the production that you, that you see. With very, so, very cool. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, that, those are the things we're looking at now in, in Michigan, we, we have reached our peak. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we had more turkeys on the landscape than we have today. Uh, bird numbers are, are going down and again, stabilizing with, with what's here. We have, um, well, the, 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 there may be predators that, you know, originally had never seen a turkey before and didn't think about it. You know, now they've developed ways of, you know, getting a meal off the land. Everybody's got to, you know, sure. yep. survive. So, so that's what happens. Then there's other places where we know there's like social behavior that, you know, comes into play where, uh, too many turkeys in one spot, they, they kind of get stressed out, you know, kind of like humans, you know, you, you get that stress factor yep. and the social caring capacity uh, isn't quite there. And so, yeah, you know, they may lay less eggs. They may abandon the nest. They, um, you know, may have parasites. You know, just there's a lot of things that fall into those biological equations. And, you know, we're kind of seeing it right now with the uh, COVID-19. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yep, for sure. So, so so that's, you know, that that's what happens in, in uh, the biological world. And, you know, that's why I would say in Michigan, Turkey can stabilize what you see is what you've got. And we hope to keep it at that level. Um, but uh, many states with eastern wild turkeys right now uh, are seeing declines in population. We don't know why. Uh, in fact, we developed a consortium uh, to look at it, to examine what's going on. Again, not just Michigan, it's all over. Missouri, as an example, had a 40% decline uh, in turkey numbers. So, what deer are to Michigan, turkeys are to Missouri. So, my counterpart in, in Missouri uh, uh, has had to talk with a lot of organizations about, gee, why is the turkey numbers down? What What are you doing about it? So, and, and we don't know. We have we have no idea why the numbers are declining, uh, but they are. So, you know, we're in, in Michigan. We're we're trying to, um, you know, maintain the numbers that that we have, and then. Um, trying to work with a, a turkey hunting system that allows us to um, provide opportunity, but provide maximum, you know, high quality and opportunity. That's what we're, that's what turkey hunters have said since we established populations and, you know, started to seriously manage them and working with a variety of conservation groups on how, how should we manage wild turkeys. So, Wild turkeys is one of those things where you can have a quality hunt on the first day as well as the last day. You can have a quality hunt on private land and public land. Right now, we Michigan ranks fourth in the nation for wild turkey harvest and is uh, considered to have some of the highest quality turkey hunting in the country. Very, very cool. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time, and my brain is... I'm not sure. I'm going to have to re-listen to this again because it's there's just so much information. But did we miss anything that you wanted to cover? No, I you know I I think we're there. It's uh, you said we we have um, Michigan is kind of a destination state for some turkey hunting. You know, certainly not like Missouri or some of the other states. But you know, we we have people uh, out of state hunters who come here from you know. Every every state in the nation, almost every province, um, except Manitoba, and uh, I think I'm going to invite a friend from Manitoba just to come here to hunt, so we can say we have all those. And there you go. And uh, you know, we we have people who come from you know around the world: Canada, Finland, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Germany, United Kingdom, Italy, Portugal, uh, the. the uh, United Kingdom, part of it there. So uh, you know England. So you know people come here to hunt because it's it's good hunting. Oh, for <laughs> and, sure, absolutely. And, and we we try to do that. You know, 
we, we could sell our licenses directly over the counter. There are some states that do that. Um, but you, once you do that, you have no tools in your toolbox. So if the population really, you know, tanks out, um, then, then you're, you really have nothing, you know, you, you can use to adjust things. So we have hunt units, we have hunt periods, you know, we have some quotas. So we can adjust those quotas. We can adjust the hunt periods. But we, we now have the longest turkey hunting season in the country. So you can hunt from, you know, mid-April, actually this year, all the way in to the 8th of June. That is so, wild. Um, so, you know, you, you can you can see, you know, we're, we, we have made little adjustments and tweaked the process as we've gone through it. And we've done that in talking with turkey hunters and working through all of that. So, and, and then, you know, if you look at the turkey hunting guide uh, for 2020, uh, my, my uh, the, the hunting guide folks uh, were kind of honoring me in a sense uh, for my 50 years with the DNR and that, that cover uh, represents uh, the, the, the on the cover is my son and myself, and those two birds represent the tenth time that my son and I have doubled on a turkey. So crazy. doubled in the sense that that we were able to call two nice toms with, with, within twenty yards and say one, two, three, shoot, and we each shot an individual bird. So. Uh, we've we've done that nine times consecutively, and then there was a skip of a year because I had to do some other turkey hunts with folks for the Pure Michigan uh, program. And then last year, my son and I um, did the, the tenth uh, tenth time. So uh, that is super super uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we're pretty excited about that. It's kind of neat. So I was. It, it was nice that. Uh, folks honored me in that sense good deal well i think we should wrap it up wow that was absolutely incredible one of the coolest podcasts i've ever done hands down i hope you guys learned a bunch i know i did so i just want to say thank you guys for sticking with me um it's this whole thing is a learning curve and i really really appreciate your guys's patience with everything the the social media stuff is phenomenal um please if you have not gone to instagram or facebook please like follow those pages and then anytime i post one of these episodes please share that to to get the word out to people it would greatly greatly i would greatly greatly appreciate it so until then like i said before if you're looking for more content check out the sportsman's nation network there's tons and tons of information over there also that you can check out but until next time see you guys Thank you.